Wednesday, the 3rd of March, 2010. A tsunami devastates Australia's Twitter tragics. People continue to die in politically inconvenient accidents. And Dennis Shanahan is a disingenuous cunt. That's not news, that's just an observation. This is the 9pm Edict. Well, so much for plans. You may have noticed that there wasn't a program on Monday night. No effluence of snark from Sanctuary Cove on the Gold Coast as planned. No, sorry about that. There were, as they say, production difficulties. The Kickstart Forum, the annual get-together of IT journalists and vendors, was rather time-consuming. Good, but time-consuming. And I had to give attention to work that actually pays the bills. So, there was no edict Monday night. Mea culpa, mea magna culpa, or for those of you who were never taught Latin, you poor, illiterate, Macquarie Fields-esque scum, just imagine I'm Kevin Rudd, blame me for everything, picture me as a mortal human, hear my self-flagellation, and vote for me anyway. Hello, I'm Still Gerian. Welcome to the Edict. Over the weekend, one of the biggest earthquakes in recorded history devastated Chile. 750 or more dead, thousands unaccounted for, maybe 2 million people homeless. So what happens on Twitter? Sunday morning we see people watching the tsunami warning and in an episode of recreational fear which proved we don't need roller coasters anymore we watch transfixed every little ripple on the ocean for the next 12 hours. Look, the tsunami warning system will save lives one day. It's money well spent. But on Sunday, Channel 9 sent a reporter down to Bondi Beach, you know, Reporting no sign of the tsunami yet? Well, of course not. Physics, there would be no sign of the tsunami yet. And every social media tragic desperate to display how connected they were by retweeting every minor announcement just proved what we all fear about the social media space, that it is an echo chamber, that it is just people telling each other what they're noticing, you assholes. Now, in the first episode of The Edict, I was wondering about those four people who died while installing government-subsidised insulation. Given the number of homes involved, given the scale of the project, were four deaths, okay, tragic though they were, were they anything out of the ordinary? Was it really something that should result in the demotion of a government minister? Well, Peter Garrett, anyway. I'm starting to think... Probably not. Today, my colleague over at Crikey, Bernard Keane, wrote a piece with the headline, quote, When Dead Workers Weren't Quite So Important, unquote. Amongst other things, he looks at the building industry. Now, I shouldn't have to explain that the building industry is one of the most dangerous workplaces of all. Back when Mr Eyebrows was Prime Minister, the laws were changed, severely limiting the circumstances in which union officials could enter a building site to investigate alleged safety issues. Okay, there was a reason for that. 
One union, the CFMEU, the Construction, Forestry, Mining and Energy Union, had a reputation of being hard bastards. Some branches had been using safety concerns as an excuse for entering building sites for all manner of reasons, and I'm not going to talk further about that because, quite frankly, I don't have the legal budget. Let's just say that when the Howard government restricted unions' access to building sites, there was much rejoicing. Problem is, despite the asshole nature of the CFMEU, building sites are still dangerous places, and with union access restricted, the death toll rose. As Bernard Keane points out, deaths in the construction industry increased massively. Deaths per 100,000 workers have risen steadily from 2004, when it was 3.14, to 3.86 in 2005, to 5.6 in 2006, 4.84 in 07, 4.28 in 08, a 36% increase in deaths, well, 78% in 2006, and from our political leaders, nothing. I guess I mention all this to point out one thing, it's not the safety of workers that matters, it's not the death of anyone that our politicians care about, it's whether that death can be used by the spin machine to score political points. So remember, if you work in a dangerous industry, no one really cares about you, you are simply a pawn. If your injury or death serves a political goal, you will be recognised. But if not, you will die nameless and forgotten. People make comments on this program. This week, we have two. G'day, Stilgarian. Garth here. Bringing with regard to Twitter's 50 million tweets in a day figure, which is from edict number two. In July 2009, CTIA, the International Association for the Wireless Telecommunications Industry, released figures showing that US carriers alone handled more than 4 billion messages per day. Assume a little growth, or take the rest of the world into account, and Twitter's 50 million tweets rounds down to about 1% of SMS traffic. Ain't context a bitch. This is Bane, and I'm sure you're sick of hearing my voice. Let's be honest here. When, when I hit puberty at the age of 15 or so, I also discovered the World Wide Web's porn industry. I'd always known it was there, with the large amount of advertisements that used to be littered on every Web 1.0 blog and GeoCities or tripod site in existence, but it had just simply never interested me. Now, in my search, I found some of the frankly most disturbing content that exists on the internet to date, but not a single website had child porn on it. That's not to say child pornography isn't on the internet. I'm sure somewhere, somehow it is. Just that I would be extremely surprised if there was any way a child could inadvertently stumble across it without their parent having bookmarked it or something. I know I couldn't, and I was hanging out in some of the darkest cesspools that existed at the time. Furthermore, there has, to my knowledge, which I admit may be limited, never been a public or moral outcry over someone's kid finding child porn. Sure, there's been family first, Dennis Hood's outcry over children picking up and finding adult porn at the local video store, 
an outcry which led to South Australian video stores separating R18 Plus DVDs so that they are now even more noticeable and identifiable. If you don't believe that, simply check out bit.ly slash R18movies. But no such outcry has ever existed over child porn. So what the hell is their problem? Several people at the moment have basically been saying, I don't trust parents enough to be able to enforce certain things on their children. Atkinson, with his anti-R18 Plus video games, who wrote a letter last year stating in no uncertain terms exactly that, and now Stephen Conroy, who is merely insinuating it rather than saying it. I'm worried that with basically only two choices, many people will flock to Kate Lundy's idea in a sort of better-of-two-evils approach. I mean, let's face it, isn't that how Prime Ministers are brought in anyway? If you'd like to leave a comment just like those people did, either Skype to Stilgarian or Phone Sydney, plus 612801137333. We've also had some comments over at the website, so go there now and read them. Well, not now. Wait till we've done the whole final segment, then go and read at the website. Now, one of the interesting things about um, being at a hotel up on the Gold Coast, or any hotel, is that they ask you what newspaper you want. And so, because I was away from Sydney, I just ticked the box which said The Australian. And I was fascinated, of course, about the spin done by their chief political correspondent, Dennis Shanahan. On Tuesday morning, we had the news poll figures out, and Shanahan said, quote, Satisfaction with the way Mr. Rudd is doing his job went from 50% to 51%. That's within the margin of error. It means nothing, and therefore, I think it's time for an edict. This is edict number three. If you intend to report upon any political poll, or any opinion poll, or indeed any other report of a statistical nature, you are required to report the sample size and the margin of error. Furthermore, if the change you are reporting is less than the margin of error, your report must contain the following words. Quote, the change which I have just described is in fact less than statistical margin of error in this instance. I have therefore included in my report the sentence, quote, this change could be just statistical noise, unquote. Or if I have chosen not to include that sentence, then I include the sentence, quote, I acknowledge that I am the puppet of my employer because I have written political spin with reckless disregard for the mathematical realities about which I write. Or, if I have chosen not to include that sentence, then I include the sentence, quote, My name is Dennis Shanahan and I am a cunt, unquote. That's all for the edict tonight. To make up for our missed episode on Monday, yes, I'm sorry, we will insert an extra one on Friday. That'll be Friday the 5th of March, 
Atle before 9pm because this is the 9pm edict. Thank you.